Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I'm mad as fuck right now. I just broke one of my mic stands <laughs> setting this fucking thing up. <laughs> We've had better days Not a over good here. Day. <laughs> hey everyone, it's Amanda, and we're actually uh, recording um, remotely today. We've got Jason on the phone. Jason's in Texas, where it's a lot nicer than it is here, and he's a licensed massage therapist, a continuing education provider. And uh, he reached out to us because he does some cool stuff in Texas. One of those things being Lomi Lomi, which we learned about earlier this year when we had Linda on the podcast. But Jason had some other things to say about it. So we thought we'd give him the floor, give him the phone. I don't know. How do you say this? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> However you want to say it. Really. Anyway, Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, Jason. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody that's listening, who you are, and uh, what you do? All right. Well, aloha to you both. Aloha. It's so good to be here. So good to be here and to be talking with you both. Yeah, I think this will be a great conversation tonight. My name is Jason, and I reside here in the great state of Texas in the lower uh, 48. I've lived here in Austin since 1980. I've lived in other places before. Uh, I've lived in New Mexico. I lived in Northern California. And then, of course, my home state of Kentucky. And I have been a massage therapist uh, for a little over 25 years now. Got my start in it in 1994. Cool. And how did you hear about us, actually? How did you find us? Um, I moderate several uh, Facebook massage therapist pages, one of them being Texas Massage Therapists, uh, massage therapists, uh, continuing education opportunities, that sort of, uh, all those uh, those groups. And uh, I saw one of your postings. Uh, I go, oh, this isn't interesting. This is neat. And so I decided to kind of browse around and uh, listen to a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, great. So I thought I'd reach out because I've done podcasts before. I did a couple out of LA with Tina Lewis. Uh, she runs kind of an entrepreneurial massage therapist site talking about business and whatnot, but occasionally she talks about other um, other things, and we did podcasts on Lomi before. So that's how I that's how I uh, saw you guys on social media on the Facebook. Cool. One of the, one of the more positive aspects of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we jump right into it then? You, so you've been a therapist for 25 years, and how long have you been practicing Lomi? I've been practicing Lomi since 2008, 2009, somewhere around in there. So uh, you know, going on 10 years now. How does a Southern state guy get involved with Hawaiian massage? How does that even come about? Well, um. If it had not come to Texas as a continuing education course, I probably would not have even known of its existence. And um, But Texas is a big state, and there's a lot of massage here, especially in Austin. But we have like the major cities here like Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, um, Lubbock, which is up in the panhandle. And so we have a lot of continuing education that comes in from out of state, out of town, even out of country that comes into Austin and uh, in the surrounding area. So for me, it, I was uh, I, I had gotten back into massage after kind of a few years stint of not doing anything. And I let my license lapse. So I went back to school, got retrained. And then uh, we our continuing education requirements in Texas are, um, uh, I guess, 12 hours every two years. So we have to seek that out. And so I was looking for a continuing education course and I saw Lomi Lomi uh, or Sacred Lomi. Um, 
to be specific, and that intrigued me. And so I looked at it, checked it out, checked out the teacher who was teaching it. Um, it looked pretty interesting to me, but I was still a little skeptical of it just because of my background to a degree. And I took the workshop and I never looked back. What were you skeptical about? Experience. Well, so my, my background is kind of a, this is going to kind of sound weird. I, I have kind of this progressive Southern sort of hippie, slightly new age background, but I was raised and brought up in a, in a way where you, you're very conservative with those types of things. You know, you, you know, you don't necessarily wear it on your sleeve a lot. Um, you, you know, this is something that, you know, it's very personal and private because it, because it speaks to kind of the spirituality and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I thought, mm, okay, what is this going to be? And I, and, and in the past I've, I had experience being with groups, you know, like new age hippie type of groups and whatnot. And I've had good experiences and not so good experiences. So that was the initial skepticism with it because it's like, mm, okay, I know where this is coming from. But then getting into it, um, I found there to be quite an amazing heart and authenticity behind it, behind these teachers and, and behind this actual bodywork system. Were you trained by teachers from Hawaii? They they resided in Hawaii for a while and then they moved to California and they have workshops that they do in Hawaii. Uh, on the big islands. So yeah, I mean, they essentially lived in Hawaii and learned from teachers there. Um, I have kind of a few people who I would consider to be my teachers who have um, given me advice, consulted me, instructed me, but the bulk of my my Lomi Lomi training comes from um, the sacred Lomi camp, uh, Tom Cochran and Donna Jason, you know, the, these are, um, people who have learned Lomi over there and they have taken it and turned it into, I guess, what would be kind of a synthesis of what traditional Lomi would be. But even some people would say that what we're doing is traditional, but some people might not. It's kind of a, we, we walk kind of a fine line of the synthesis of what this work is and the actual cultural practice of it. But, but back to my point about the, about the skepticism of stuff. I, when I first started doing massage, what I was being trained in and what I was learning was a lot of the deep tissue, the clinical, the Rolfing-esque type of work. And I had studied that diligently, you know, that, that real hardcore anatomy physiology, you know, this is the fix it type of stuff. And when Lomi came in to, to, uh, to my life, it stirred all that back up. It changed it dramatically and actually helped to rekindle some stuff I had kind of repressed from my, from my earlier days of kind of hanging out with rainbow gathering groups, uh, medicine wheel gathering groups. And, you know, that, that, that whole thing where there was this emphasis on the spiritual kind of new age aspect to uh, doing healing work and shamanism and all that sort of stuff. And, but, but even through then I was always taught to really take the practical aspects of these things and apply them practically to, you know, to real world situations and not be so, you know, head in the clouds type of thing. And so um, with that, I brought, I guess, I guess for myself, kind of in a, uh, a perspective of doing this work that I feel like has a balanced, more of a balanced uh, perspective of it. I mean, I can only speak for myself. There's a lot of Lomi out there. There's a lot of practitioners and teachers in different styles of Lomi, and each one has a unique perspective and lens to look at. Some are very cultural, very traditional. Some are not so 
cultural, not so traditional, more along the lines of the spa thing, or maybe the more shamanistic approach or, and that sort of thing. And so all of that, as it was stirring within me around 10 years ago, I was trying to formulate it into something that I felt could tangibly work for me, for my clientele. But as the years started to go by, it became this kind of life purpose, this life walk, this way that I conducted myself with clients, with uh, the people that I, you know, that, that I work on, that I help. And it just embodied itself and interwove itself into everything I did, even even the fix-it type of body work, you know, the the more structural integrative stuff, you know, the, you know, the Rolfing S type work, you know, Tom Myers anatomy trains, Till Luca advanced uh, trainings, my deep myofascial release trainings, active release, passive release, all of the stuff that's designed to really target a problem and fix the problem bringing another element into that, more of an emotional component to it, more of a maybe even a psychosomatic component. Okay, so let's let's pause here for a second then. And let's get people to understand this, especially for people who maybe didn't hear our original episode on Lomi Lomi with Linda. Can you somewhat easily define what this is for people who have never heard of it? Because as I mentioned to you off mic, it, at least where I am in Toronto, it's. I don't think it's something that's very popular. I don't think people have any idea what Lomi Lomi is. So can you sort of simply define it? I know, as you said, there's different styles, but to make people understand what we're even talking about. In, in, in very simple terms, Lomi Lomi is a massage practice that comes from Hawaii. It was developed by the kahunas of Hawaii, and the kahunas were like their spiritual leaders. Their, um, I don't want to say shaman because that's not a word I like to use with, with uh, the kahunas. Uh, these were people who had a lot of knowledge and a lot of different aspects of their society from cultivating herbs to setting bones to martial arts to making canoes to making nets for fishing all this all this sort of stuff and lomi was just one part of that total wellness healing system that society and those people created in order to help them with their physical ailments their emotional ailments their spiritual ailments um, but in a very practical sense lomi lomi was a massage modality that sought to help people just like how we view massage today, to relieve tension in the body, to help with structural issues, to help with injuries, to help recover, all of that sort of thing. I think on the on the more, I guess, the more woo-woo front of it, Lomi is the ultimate expression of aloha and aloha spirit through touch. And I don't know what that means. We, it's the way we seek to help facilitate physical, emotional, and even spiritual healing. Aloha is a word that the Hawaiian culture has within its, you know, the very fabric of its being and of its culture. Aloha can be described as love, community. It can be described uh, a lot of things, humility, truthfulness, patience, perseverance, family, ohana. It is a living, breathing word. Most people know aloha as kind of like a greeting. You know, mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a greeting. We say aloha, but aloha really is kind of the ultimate expression of their culture, which is a very compassionate, family loving system of getting along and of seeing the world and seeing people and uh, and and of and of keeping, I would say, a little bit of order within the family system. You know, this is how we are going to conduct ourselves today. We are going to be uh, in the presence of aloha, we are going to communicate with aloha. We are going to be agreeable to um, 
to be compassionate to one another, to be tolerant of one another. All of these different expressions. I have that's three. What I have three different questions for you, but they might all sure. somewhat go together. So I'm going to ask all of them, and you can answer them in any order you wish. Um, sure. First question being, uh, you'd mentioned you don't like to use the term shaman when talking about the kahunas, but but you said shamanism when speaking about the way you practice Lomi before. So I kind of wanted to clarify, mm-hmm. like what the differences are and how you like differentiate these terms. Uh, the second thing is you are a white guy practicing Lomi Lomi. We talked about that off mic as well. Do you feel that there's any um, negativity around that? Do you feel that Hawaiians don't like this cultural appropriation that's happening with all of these uh, people taking what sounds to be a very sacred practice and incorporating it into this type of body work, which, as you said before, is more practical versus spiritual. Especially because like we had someone on our podcast before. Her name is MJ. And MJ, we had her on talking about entrepreneurs because she's opened up clinics and all that kind of stuff. But she also was in university in Hawaii on a scholarship. And we were talking about how local Hawaiians aren't really the biggest fans of people that aren't Hawaiian. Mm Mm-hmm. You made, you made me forget my third question, but that's okay. Let's Sorry. start there, Jason. What can you no, differentiate these, the terms for me? And then also, what are you, what's your take on being you know the white guy who practices Lomi Lomi? All right, these are excellent questions, by the way. Ones that I hope that you would ask. As far as the shamanism thing, to me, shamanism is a is a process of ritual and ceremony, and it is a it would be considered to be a non-Christian thing. But a shaman and shamanism, I mean, if, if we want to get real specific with that, a shaman or shamanism, that comes from a totally different region in the world. Mm-hmm. Or the, uh, the, the Tungus speaking people from uh, the, you know, the, the plains of, in, in, in the areas of uh, Siberia and places like that. It's just that, that word has been taken and coined to describe any type of ancient culture that has a healing practitioner. Native Americans, Lakota, have Wichashawakam, which means holy man, medicine man. Hawaiians have Kahuna, you know, which means keeper of secrets or, you know, or wise person. You know, I mean, that, the, these are all Western mindset definitions. We have just distilled it down into this one particular term. Gotcha. So I are like you saying say, then that you... I like to, yeah, I like to say Kahuna in order, to, in order to honor them. Okay. And so part of what I... What what I like to put forth in, in the work that I do is that this is, you know, this is a form of ritual and this is a form of ceremony to a certain degree. This is not my perspective. It's not shared by everybody, but it's definitely one. Now, to answer your question about what you said about cultural appropriation and Hawaiians, Native Hawaiians not liking uh, folks like myself who do this work, there is definitely that element in doing any type of practice that uh, has its roots in a different culture other than your own. Um, there's always going to be those those thi- those 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 concerns and and a lot of that eyebrow raising and, and and it's totally justified. I feel like the styles of Lomi that have come out these were originally shared by Native Hawaiians. They decided to share this stuff with the Western world, and some of them took elements of their cultural practice, they evolved it to fit a Western mindset because some of the stuff of what they have, what they, you know, what, what they brought forth uh, was taboo or kappa and was not allowed. But a lot of them took risks 
to bring this out and to teach this to other people because they felt like, well, this is a way we can kind of, one, share our culture, two, um, help the Western mindset to understand us so there might be a better way of communication, harmonization, that sort of thing. But I, I do understand that there is a population of folks that absolutely do not like what it is that those of us who are non-Hawaiian who are doing with this. The only thing that I can say for myself is that this lineage of Lomi that I learned comes from a native Hawaiian. He taught it to America, you know, to Western Westerners, to Europeans, Westerners. And I think that those of us who do the best we can to honor that and do that without stepping on toes, without making claims, I don't claim to be a kahuna. I don't claim to be some grand person. I don't give myself a wine name. I, I don't do any of that. What I have done is I, I feel like in my own defense of this, that I have taken something that was passed along past me, and I'm going to do it in the best, most honorable way that I can and try to do it in a correct way by respecting some of those things, respecting the, uh, the uh, kopuna, the elders who created this stuff by honoring them, by doing this in a good way that doesn't, hopefully doesn't offend a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I try not to, you know, like I said, make these outlandish claims about this work. This is a work that I feel very passionate about, that I love very much. And I do this to help people. Mm-hmm. To me, this is, this is about, this is about community and helping people. And I'll stop there and let you. Well, you made me think of my third question, which is great. And it was how much of your training was about Hawaiian culture and history and ritual, because you seem to be pretty well versed, even, you know, your explanation of aloha, you seem to have a very good grasp on Hawaiian ritual and culture. Was that part of the training? Or did you go and research that on your own? Some of it was and some of it, well, actually, with, with, the three key people that that helped that have helped me they're the ones that taught me this stuff and then i did my own research and you know and made these discoveries uh, apart from them but a lot of the training lonely training there was that emphasis of honoring culture of learning uh, learning pule, learning prayer, because Lomi is really rooted in that. We kind of want to say that there's two different aspects of this work. There is the practical, physical application of this work, and then there is the more, the more of the spiritual, more of the, the the tradition. And and part of that, and part of Lomi Lomi, what I've been taught is that is that it centers around a lot of what would be considered prayer, pule. I was taught at least a prayer that we say before we begin the session or even after we begin the session. And that comes from one of my teachers who contacted me through the internet, actually. My name was dropped to her by some friends of mine that went over to Maui to study, um, to, to take a workshop because they were vacationing over there. They dropped my name and that raised her eyebrow. And so she decided to ask me questions and I answered them the best way that I could. And there was this dialogue that was opened up and she actually corrected me on a few things. And then she said, I want to share with you this, you know, this prayer that we had come up with, you know, many, many years ago to really establish a little bit of the tradition of, of this work about utilizing prayer and it, you know, and, and that person's name uh, is Antipua, Antipualani Gillespie. And what I found very interesting about her was her willingness but also her at her discretion as well, because and, and I felt very honored by this because, um, the, you know, she was communicating with me during the last stages of her life. And um, she was trying to share some stuff with me. And and uh, she did. And 
she said, you know, if you're going to do this work and if you're going to facilitate this work for people and, and all that, that, that this is what you put in and, and this is what you do. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I did. The, the other teacher who has been very profound for me, um, who teaches a lot of the philosophy of Lomi and, and has his perspective based on how he learned through in Hawaii is uh, Harry Jim, Harry Uhani Jim. He and I have talked at length and he's uh, shared a lot with me, even though I have not really studied with him directly, we, uh, we also have opened up a dialogue. I want to be clear that, that what I do and what was, you know, what was taught to me is, you know, is the synthesis of what this traditional form of, of healing is. But like I said, this is only one part mm -hmm. of it. Well, everything you're saying sounds incredibly spiritual, which is very far from from anything that we practice or what we do. Yeah, you seem to be holding on to or keeping in mind the values and traditions that go along with this practice. Is this something that's common with other Lomi practitioners? Or do you kind of see other people practicing Lomi and kind of shake your head like y'all just don't get it? Um, I, 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 I do my best to not be judgmental of how other people practice this work. I think people have their own, you know, here's the word truth standing in their truth of this work. I do feel that there is a certain amount of, I guess, respect that, that we have to follow with this work. With me, this work is about helping people. It's not about self-aggrandizing. It's not about, you know, saying, hey, I'm this great person and here, look at me, look what I'm doing, you know, kind of all for all to see on stage, that sort of thing. To me, this is about helping people and humbling yourself through that and, you know, and asking those questions, you know, is what I'm doing helping my family, is what I'm doing helping my community, is what I'm doing honoring the ancestors of this work and at the same time honoring my own ancestors that are not even Hawaiian, you know, I mean, am I honoring this? And I know I have this, this, this spiritual philosophical thing on it, but I also want to point out that there is a balance between doing this in a very practical way to help people, which I hope we'll touch on in a minute, and and also embodying kind of a spiritual frame of reference, which to me is a which to me is is mystery. You know, the science and the and the mystery of the art of touch, because I believe massage therapy to be an art form, um, encompasses so much. And we have this anatomical, physiological you know, nervous system, this physical body that we study intimately. Um, that's our foundation. And then on that foundation, we build this house that is our own unique perspective on how we work, how we help people. I'm speaking of massage therapy, massage therapists in general, but you can apply this to anything. Mm -hmm. It's a value system. It's a value system, really. So Hopefully the, that answers that question. Yeah. So for, for the skeptics listening, the people who are, you know, not spiritual and don't bring spiritual elements into their treatment, can you somewhat explain how the spiritual elements and the practical physiological elements, how does this all go together to actually perform a treatment on a client? And do you have to be a spiritual person to get benefit from this type of work? Not at all, because this is not a process of indoctrination. Because I'm talking to you and your listeners are listening to me um, kind of rattle off my, my, uh, my philosophy and, and how I spiritually approach this. This is not something that I try to indoctrinate, like you have to believe this way, you have to do it this way. And when somebody comes to me for a Lomi session, I don't attempt to do that either. I said, this is what this work is about. This is a, this is more of a, a ceremonial or ritual type of session. You're going to get the full benefit of, 
of this work, you know, physically to help with you and something else might happen too. I don't know. Who knows? I like to practically apply this work. The the spiritual is, is between that person and whatever they believe. I don't try to influence that any. I bring a certain a certain element of that into the work, but I'm not trying to tell somebody, oh, this is happening to you. This is what's going on. This is the spiritual stuff. I just say that's a frame. That's just a frame to start with, a frame of reference to start with. I try to be very disengaged with that part, but I bring this element into it. And I think that influences the touch. That influence that influences the touch and the quality of touch. So how do your clients find you? Like what are they looking for when they come to you? Are they coming to you because they are looking just to have some sort of body work? Are they coming to you because they want to have some sort of body work and possible spiritual experience? Are they coming to you because they have some sort of injury? Like how 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 does a client end up on your table? In answer to the question mark, all of the above, um it and it fluctuates. Uh, my clientele uh, range from uh, colleagues and students that I've that I've helped to teach, uh, colleagues that I've worked with, and uh, and then the general public out there. Because I don't just do Lomi; I do a lot of the deep myofascial release work, the structural work, that kind of fix it work. But I bring this other element, this other feel to it. I guess maybe you would you would say energetic, but to me, energy is intention. So you know, I'm not channeling the angels here. I am bringing an intention into this work based on, you know, just, you know, my, my passion of, of, of doing this work. Um, people seek me out um, here in Austin because I've worked really hard to be, um, to have a good reputation as a good teacher, as a good facilitator for, you know, for teaching. I've taught at a massage school here, my alma mater, uh, the Lauderstein Conway Massage School. I've taught curriculum there, you know, the practical stuff, the anatomy and physiology, all that sort of stuff. But primarily the workshops that I teach are, are Lomi Lomi workshops. And how I teach that is by teaching the techniques, teaching a little bit about why the techniques are done like they're done, bringing some of that 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 uh, that traditional element into it, and then allowing people and and then teaching people a process of how to do this this work to kind of give a point A to point B thing of how to design a session for somebody. But the other types of clientele that I have that, that come to me are clients that are referred to by psychotherapists who want to get on my table because this work we have found helps people not only with their physical ailments but a little bit with their emotional and mm-hmm. and and trauma and trauma and and this is a fine line of scope of practice i you know it's it, it's kind of weird i don't claim to be a psychotherapist in any way but i do have a little bit of training in that and what i'm doing and why certain psychotherapists are are starting to catch on to this work as a as a benefit to people who have maybe suffered from like physical trauma, PTSD, it's just how they feel when they get on the table because of just the approach. Because a lonely approach to people getting on the table is that of, okay, you're not just a client. I see you as family. Mm-hmm. I see you as uh, I see you as a very important family type of person. I see them as family. I see them maybe even as a child. So that's how I treat them. I treat them with a lot of respect and honor and try to provide a, a safe and trusting space for them to relax on the table and to receive this work that very few people get to receive because most of the time, and this is not to disparage the clinical aspect, a lot of the clinical aspect of work kind of has that other element removed from it, that emotional component, maybe that that spiritual component, even though people get on the table and get this really deep work and have profound emotional release. Well, why? 
Well, because there's a nervous system at work here, and we are primarily nervous system therapists rather than just, okay, I'm working on the tissue and trying to iron out tension and manipulate the fascia and all that sort of stuff. There's a nervous system that we are working with. The, the realm that I've kind of gone into with Lomi is really tapping into that nervous system that has acquired all of these experiences for years. And some of those experiences might not be very positive for that person. And so they're seeking out alternative forms of therapy in order to help deal with that so they can get a handle on that. And we know through, you know, basic psychology and through working with the nervous system, that trauma can translate into how you carry yourself and, and the body and how that, you know, and how your body receives touch or it receives pain or transmits, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, so we have found that when someone goes through this process of the Lomi massage or the Lomi ritual or whatever you want to call it, they come out of it with this profound feeling of bliss and peace. The Hawaiians call this ho'omalohia uh, or malohia, feeling of peace, of inner peace and feeling embodied like I'm totally aware of my body, but I'm in such a relaxed bliss state. And and that, and because the touch is that of a familial touch, instead of just, okay, I'm just going to work on you and see you as just this client that I'm working on, you know, I'm just physiologically just going to kind of do this, do that. If it hurts, so what? You know, there's more of a mindfulness approach, which I think is so key to broadening and deepening the scope of what we do as as therapist. Yeah, well, we're definitely so, with you. I mean, yeah. here in Ontario, yeah. I think a lot of therapists practice that way. Do we do Lomi Lomi? No, but uh, we are very focused on the biopsychosocial model of pain, where we understand mm. that it's not just physiology. Uh, we take into account biological aspects, uh, socioeconomic, psychological. It's it's very important to uh, therapists here that we are looking at all of these factors. So I do appreciate that you're incorporating this psychosomatic approach. And I think you had mentioned to me when we had our brief conversation a few days ago that um, you're actually like working with psychotherapists now to try to bridge the gap between the psychotherapy and the physical touch that you're offering your clients. Is that right? right. Yeah. But, right, but I also want to make clear that there is a scope of practice boundary here that I am I'm not crossing mm -hmm. but because I because I you know have worked with these folks and my other half is a psychotherapist as well. To me this is kind of a deeper more advanced aspect of doing this work. Most people who say who who think of Lomi uh, especially in the states think of it as just this really relaxing spa froofy type of thing, but there are those of us who take Lomi and either bring it into more of a shamanistic ritual type of thing, which there's there's a part of it that's like that and then there's and then and then through that for me the practical application of it is this is what we're doing to help somebody to feel more embodied on the table because of the techniques that we're using, how we're doing it. Um, but I am not like diagnosing. No, I'm of not, course not. I'm not, I'm not doing anything like that. What I'm getting is a frame of reference and information from these psychotherapists. And of course we adhere to this, you know, I mean, I adhere to HIPAA laws, they adhere to them. And so, and so the information is, you know, only generally shared. And then if the client wishes to share with me certain things, you know, then they do. So I've had several people get on my table who are, who have, um, who are, who are in treatment for therapy for things, things like, uh, PTSD, uh, from, from car accidents, from war, um, and even from emotional abuse and sexual abuse and all of that type of thing. And I think the main thing is just to be able to feel safe, and to receive touch that is non-sexual, 
that is a familial type of touch that really cares for that person, honors that person, celebrates that person for who they are, no judgment. And that within their mind helps them to get a handle. You know, I don't completely, totally understand it. Uh, I'm learning more and more about the somatic experiencing model and how that affects the body. And it helps them, I think, to get a handle on their trauma rather than the trauma constantly, you know, I guess, uh, controlling their life to where they, they find it hard to function in everyday life and society. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and it's the same thing with, with the pain thing. And that, you know, and that trauma body is such an interesting thing. You know, the, the, there's an example about that that's made where, you know, you get into a car accident, you get whiplash, you know, it's a pretty horrendous thing. You go through your rehab, you go through your treatment, things are healed, but then maybe let's say you're down the down the road, you're at a stoplight and you see a car coming up behind you, it slows down the stop, but your mind goes back to that trauma event. Your mind mm-hmm. goes back, your brain goes right back to that trauma event and relives it. And you think that you're getting whiplash again, your neck tenses up, you feel like you're injured again. That's kind of how the brain works in, in a really weird way. And so some people seek out forms of, of, of psychotherapy in order to help them with that trauma and even with past traumas, that sort of thing. So getting back to Lomi, Lomi is just one of those nice little adjunct therapies that can help that because, you know, even in the Lomi process, in that more spiritual oriented aspect of Lomi, the 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 practitioner is helping them to feel more connected to their body, maybe connected to spirit, maybe connected to their own view of how they view the world spiritually, that sort of thing. All of that interweaves itself into them uh, going through their healing process. And, you know, healing is a journey. I mean, Gabrielle Roth said it best that healing is a journey and it involves stepping out of our conventional scripts and improvising a dancing path. So no, is it no wonder that people are still kind of sticking to their Western-based idea of therapy and seeking out these other things because, you know, their brain, their creativity, their mindset, their bodies is kind of like thirsty for a wellspring of something different because they're drinking the same water over and over again. They want to go and drink something else. Well, why not drink a cup of Lomi? Why not? <laughs> you know, that, 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 that sort of thing, you know? So, so for me, this is how I work the Lomi process, but I still feel indebted. And I have to say, thank you to the Hawaiian ancestors and the Kapuna who created this work. And for the people who took risks, to share this when it was when it was considered taboo to share this with the rest of the world we might not be doing it exactly the way the native hawaiians and the native kahuna does it but i think some of us here and i like to think i'm one of these people i like to think that i do this work as honorably as i possibly can as respectfully as i possibly can honoring those people by at least learning some of the culture, embodying that into my own process and using this as a tool of healing to help other people. I agree with you. I think that um, you sound like you're very passionate about this. This is not just something you decided to do to make some extra cash. It's very clear. Um, I know that you have videos online because I watched some. Can you share a link with our listeners? Can you let everybody know where they can actually see what a Lomi Lomi treatment looks like if they've never seen one? Well, there's a lot of stuff they can go search for on on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff. If you want to look at the stuff I've done, I mean, I've done a couple of things here and there. 
Um, I did a testimonial video for my website that I did a few, several years ago that kind of shows a little bit of the body work. And of course, you're going to look at it and your, and your Canadian audience is going to go, whoa, I can't do that. The draping laws. But if you go to, um, yeah, it's a little risky. To, uh, well, and I understand, and I understand that you guys have really fought hard to make your profession of massage therapy a legitimate thing in the healthcare medical industry. So with that comes all of the, all of the regulations and, and all of the things that you have to do in order to ensure, you know, a, a, a comfortable client, a safe client, that, that sort of thing, feeling safe. But um, my website is uh, austinlomilomibodyworks.com. And at the beginning, when you click onto the page, you go to the intro thing, and there will be a little um, embedded YouTube video of that that testimony of it. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say just stop, don't stop with me because I'm really not the know all the be all to Lomi. I, you know, I'm just one aspect of it here in Texas. There, there's so many, there's so much information out there. Just go to YouTube and type in Lomi Lomi and you'll, and you'll see a lot of stuff, you'll see stuff from me. You'll see stuff from my teachers. You'll see a lot of different, a lot of different things and a lot of different perspectives. And what if people want to get in touch with you, Jason, or want, are interested in taking any of your courses? Let's say I'm taking a trip to Texas. How do I find you? Through your website? You can find me through the website. I do annual workshops every year here in Austin, Texas at my alma mater at the Lauderstein Conway Massage School. I do a workshop every, uh, like, uh, late summer, like late July, um, like, my workshop in July this year is going to be the 24th through the 26th, and people will just need to click on to the Lauderstein Conway Massage School, go to their continuing education page, and they'll find me there. Or you can go to my website, click on my workshops page, and you'll see a list of, of where I'm going to be teaching. You know, I teach a three-day course. It's a three-day immersion in this work. Um, it's 24 continuing education credit units here for the state of Texas if we're going through uh, the Larstein Conway School, you know, those those are those are very valid continuing education credits that you can get. Um, and, uh, it, you know, the, the workshops are really wonderful. I, I, you know, I have very little to do with it. I just kind of show some stuff and the workshop kind of takes a life of its own. I, I do this in the style that was taught to me, which is called Kahuna Body Work or Hawaiian Simple Body Work. And that was created by um, a native Hawaiian by the name of Abraham Kavai'i. And uh, he 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 really took this and turned it into kind of a science. He he modified it and and turned it into something that he felt would help the Western mindset become more embodied. Uh, we you know we teach you know the, I teach movement, uh, heart building exercises, techniques, uh, the Lomi techniques, uh, breath work, all that type of stuff. A um, little bit of yoga stuff in there. And then at the same time, you get in there and you learn some really good techniques using your forearms to kind of add to your tool bag of techniques of, of what you do. Because I feel like you can blend this into anything. Like when I do my structural work, you know, I like to throw in a couple of Lomi strokes after I do that really deep work that might not be so comfortable for people to receive. You know, it's kind of like an homage to, uh, you know, an homage brushstroke is one of my one of my old teachers used to say, you know. It's kind of it's kind of like a nice way of of rubbing your your toe after you after you stub it. If you're doing that deep work that gives you those big sensational feelings. Hopefully, you're not punishing and bruising people, but you know because I don't like to do that. But sometimes it doesn't feel as comfortable, and then you kind of throw in this really nice, beautiful, long flowing weaving loamy stroke that helps make that real deep technique that you did feel a lot better. You know, and it looks so, step, and it looks so. so pretty like a dance. Uh, before we wrap up here, yeah. I wanted to actually ask Mark a question. Um, you, you watched the video, 
right? The Lomi Lomi video on Jason's website. I've yeah. seen. Well, yeah, and you've seen many some before. Lomi videos. Based on what you've seen and what we know about Lomi Lomi, do you think that RMTs in Ontario could practice this in any form? Probably not. Um, based on your restrictions and what you have, I think maybe there's loopholes that you can get around. Well, that's um, I want to. I want to see what Mark has to say. It's tough to say. I mean, the the draping guidelines in Ontario definitely that. That doesn't follow through with the draping guidelines. Uh, the old draping guidelines before they redid that standard, yes, that would have been fine. Um, but since they came out with that new standard. I'm just wondering if 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 there's just permissions that that client gives so that they can receive that, then then maybe that would be a little bit more legit. But I don't know how you guys do your private practices there, you know, if you're an RMT. I mean, I'm... Yeah, it's I, it's a little know. bit of a touchy territory. Like I said, the old standard of practice with regard to draping in Ontario, um, that would have been absolutely fine. But they've redesigned a lot of things, especially around draping to, uh, to match... What do they call it now? There's sexual abuse prevention. And so they've redesigned some of the draping guidelines for that. But for the most part, you know, client consent and it really kind of is the most important mm -hmm. thing. So I can see it going both ways. I can see how the governing body might kick up a stink, but at the end of the day, if, if this is a client's preference and they've given their permission and consent to do so, you know, I can see why some therapists would just shy away from it completely. And then uh, anyone else who's willing to walk that line, then they're okay with it because they're willing to walk the line on most things. I just wanted you yeah, to take and on I it. understand. <laughs> Yeah, and I understand that. I, you know, that Lomi is not for everybody. I, I would hope that everybody would at least, at least try it. <laughs> at least it, it, from from somebody who, who's legit, who has that that clear communication. I I really want to stress that 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 we, that as Lomi practitioners, we we honor all boundaries. If a person gets on the table, I've had people get on the table who were really scared to even just undress, and they just want to be covered up because Lomi necess isn't necessarily about the technique. It's about your presence and about what you're, how you're treating that person. You know, there, there's that element to it as well. So I've had to work with folks in the past where they're just clothed and I'm just kind of doing compressions, but I'm still, you know, I still bring that Aloha spirit in. I still mm -hmm. have that ultimate respect for that person, honoring them, seeing them as family, respecting that, respecting them, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I would hope that people would at least Try, but also clearly communicate what this work is and what this work is not about. Mm -hmm. And even in the even in the touch, because I feel like there's an emotional component to touch. This may be rooted in science; it might not. But when you're angry and you touch somebody, somebody can pick up on that. I know animals can. We're animals. Maybe we pick up on that emotional component. If you're happy and joyous and completely respectful and you touch somebody in that familiar way, they feel it that way. I know this to be true. Well, the hippie in me some... loves it. And yeah. you are absolutely <laughs> correct. And there is science behind it. I'm going to, we're going to end off this podcast with me uh, giving you some science on touch. Touch is the first sense to develop in humans. And mm. there's approximately 5 million touch receptors in our skin, 3,000 mm. in one fingertip. A touch of any wow. kind can actually reduce your heart rate and lower your blood pressure. And touch stimulates the release of endorphins. So natural painkillers. So this is why things like a mom kissing a baby's, you know, boo-boo makes it better. So touch yeah. is, there is science behind it. Touch is 
just essential for humans' well-being. Can I leave you with the Oli with the prayer? I just want to say it and then give the English translation to it because I feel like this communication and what we're doing, this is Lomi. Okay, let's end off with the prayer. Go ahead. The prayer is, and I'm hope I, I, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly. A hui kalamai, a hui kala aku, a hui kalamai, a hui kala aku, a hui kala kakou. And it means, from sunrise to sunset, I release all to you and ask that you release all to me. May we release all to each other and live together face to face forever. This is an only a chant to, and a prayer to the divine spirit and to all of humanity. And I thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much, Jason. Right on, brother. It's been good having you on. Thank you so much, Mark. All right. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists at a Microphone. Mahalo.